Welcome back, listeners, to the Creepypasta Book Club, the podcast where we read, analyze, and discuss significant creepypastas, no sleeps, and web horror flash fiction. We are your hosts, Jonah and Wednesday. And today we are discussing the last half of Pen Pal, parts four through six. In the next chapter, Maps, the narrator gives a bit more information about the old neighborhood he lived in, that it was a winding neighborhood surrounding a lake, and that he and Josh would often visit an elderly woman on the lakeside he calls Mrs. Maggie. She was a woman with Alzheimer's and would confuse his and Josh's names for those of her children, Chris and John, and believed her deceased husband, Tom, was away on business. The summer before first grade, the narrator and Josh decided to try and make a map of the neighborhood to see if the lake was connected to the stream near his house. After the events of Balloons, the narrator's mother was much more strict about where he could go and how long he could be out, so instead of spending hours trying to find a path deeper into the woods on foot, they built a raft to float down the stream. Eventually, part of the way into first grade, they couldn't take the raft any farther out into the woods. It was winter, too cold for their parents to let them play in the water. One afternoon, they were left unsupervised in the house and ran with their supplies out to the raft. As they paddled in the deep water in the growing darkness, they began to hear crunching noises from the woods nearby. The narrator tried to call out a hello, which Josh mocked before someone in the woods answered back. Panicked, the narrator shot off the Roman candle he'd brought with him and got a brief glimpse of the trees of something running. They thrashed until the raft started to disintegrate, and they had to swim to shore through the cold water, losing the map in the process. On shore, though, the narrator's shirt was missing. He sent Josh back to his place while he looked for his shirt, only to run into Mrs. Maggie, who was strangely excited, and for the first time didn't invite him in for snacks. She was just so glad that Tom had come home. The narrator found a drawing folded up in his shorts, of a pair of stick figures, one small and one large, holding hands. The smaller figure was labeled with his initials. A few weeks later, Mrs. Maggie was removed from her home in garbage bags, and the house was condemned. In the next story, Screens, the narrator introduces Veronica, Josh's older sister. In first grade, he had no friends to sit with and was only protected by an older boy, Alex, because he wanted to get in touch with Veronica, the prettiest girl in school. He then skips forward to when he was 15, going to the Dirt Theater, which showed cult classics and movies for cheap. At a showing of Scanners, he ran into Veronica. They hadn't spoken in years, since he'd grown distant from Josh since the events of Boxes, and had no other reason to interact with her. They reconnected at the theater and chatted, and arranged to meet again at the next show. He had no way of getting in touch with her, and his mother refused to drive him when she found out he was going to see Veronica. When he tried to call the family's old number, he was told they no longer lived there. He had no way of contacting Josh, even if he wanted to, and he suddenly realized that he did. Now deciding that he had another reason to get in touch with Veronica, to see Josh again, he decided to walk to the theater from his friend's house. On the way there, a car followed him, only driving off as he turned to approach it. He made it to the show with Veronica, and afterwards they exchanged numbers and flirted. She teased him for having such a cheap phone that it couldn't receive pictures. He tried to ask about Josh, but she didn't know how to get in touch with him. He went around the back of the theater to piss before he got into her car, so she could drive him home. While he was around the back of the building, the car that had been tailing him earlier the night rumbled through and hit Veronica, leaving her a bloody mess on the pavement. He grabbed her phone and called emergency services. As she lay there gasping, she tried to tell him he took her picture. He went with her to the hospital where she was put into a full-body cast while recovering. 
As he sat with her, she told him that Josh had run away two years ago and left a note on his pillow. He received a text from her phone telling him not to come back to the hospital, but they texted daily. He invited her to another movie and she accepted, but Veronica never showed. A man who breathed strangely sat down in the seat he reserved for her and wouldn't move. Her texts became increasingly strange until she finally didn't answer at all, and the narrator became depressed, thinking she must resent him. He spoke to his mother about it, only to find out that Veronica had died weeks ago, and that her family had only just shut off her phone when they received a massive charge for hundreds of pictures sent from her phone, which the narrator's phone couldn't receive. In the final story, Friends, the narrator devotes the chapter to Josh, how they became friends in kindergarten, how close they were, and how their friendship grew. Josh was his only real friend at that age. Over the years, they grew apart. At his twelfth birthday, they saw each other for the last time. The narrator received an unmarked I love you card among his presents, and a brand new pair of walkie-talkies from his mother. Josh hadn't brought a present and told the narrator that he'd definitely come up with something he would love, but that he hadn't been sleeping well. He thought he might be sleepwalking. Josh disappeared a few months later. When his sister died, his mother had a complete mental breakdown, and his father began to take jobs only in the area to stay closer to home. When they cleared out the woods the boys used to play in, where they were developing more houses, he found one spot he couldn't level. When he dug into the ground, Josh was there, along with the man who had kept him prisoner for years, recently dead, with a picture of the narrator as a child pinned to his shirt. He called the narrator's mother, unable to understand what he was seeing. The man had a wound on his neck where Josh had bitten him in his attempt to get free, but the man's weight kept him pinned down where he died. Josh's father pulled him from the grave and burned the stalker's corpse, and said that this was all his fault. The same man had paid him a hundred dollars to fill in holes at the ground, including the one where it turned out he had buried himself with Josh. The narrator closes out the story with a brief eulogy for his friend, finally getting closure on the bleak events of his childhood. So, hey, pen pal makes my soul fall fall out of my body. <laughs> like my god! Like I, I took a note. Like, yep, yeah, I cried again reading Friends. Oh, I did too. <laughs> like the end, specifically like, the very end part, got me really hard this time. Yeah, I was like crying. It's an emotionally effective story because it it does get to. Uh, basically everybody has friends that they made as a as a as a young person that they are no longer in contact mm-hmm. with for one reason or another yeah and you don't assume it's like reasons like this and <laughs> like brings up those feelings of and there and there are people from points in my life who might be dead now and i would have no idea yeah because, like, I haven't been in contact with them for years. I guess I, I guess two things, actually, before we get mm-hmm. really deep into this. Th- there was something that I actually forgot to say in, in the last episode. Oh, yeah, uh, like, right. like, a note that I forgot to, to, to bring up, which was that I went through, like, when I, when I got to the end of part three of Pen Pal, I, I, like, I copied all the text, stuck it in a Word document, and then I mm-hmm. copied all the text of Showers. And oh, Showers right. is 2,000 words longer than the oh, first half of Pen Pal, and yet gets across so little information. Like, it's, 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 it is it's it's like a testament to how effectively Pen Pal is written compared to the average, what people think are, like, 
amazing. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure I, I bitched in the Showers episode that Pen Pal came out <laughs> in the same year as Showers, and why didn't Pen Pal <laughs> get picked for the scariest story over over Showers? Yeah. I have a note, too. Like, I was, I'm, I'm re-listening to all of season one to compile a season one listen-through that I might have posted somewhere by this time you're hearing this. <laughs> and, like, there's a lot... In that, like, era of creepypasta, people really tried to do whammy lines or whatever, like, repetition lines. That, that's like a TV Tropes page, the yeah. wham line. Yeah. And here in in Pen Pal, we get that too, but he, like, transforms it so it's not just... It feels like. It feels like he's doing that with the pictures. But then it gets, like, transformed into, like, a new meaning by the end of it. It's not just the repeating something spooky that you heard earlier in the thing. There's an effective use of these lines. Like, they're not just there to be, like... I mean, that's that's still a thing right now. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily yeah. in, in, in pasta, but, like, something that I notice in, in writing spaces is, is the quote-focused um, method of writing, where, like, you are constantly just trying to write something that you can, like show off as being aesthetic or like this is like a big line that I can show to people out of context. It's the pi- it's the pitch culture. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 TikToky, it's Instagrammy, it's like you can't go into like a screen writing place without people being like rate my pitch, listen to my pitch <laughs> and it's like one or two lines they've like compressed the story into they hope to like reiterate throughout the story. Yeah, like that doesn't make your story good or or yeah. make it thought through or or well written. And and the thing about Pen Pal is that like it it does have lines where you can tell that the writer was like pleased because like mm-hmm. any any writer when when they get a line that they really like, they're going to be pleased with it. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's it's specifically writing when you're eating shit about it. <laughs> He he uses those lines and pulls them through, like, the rest of the narrative a lot of times. A lot of the best lines are sort of subtle things that come back later. Mm-hmm. Because he understands how to use repetition and, like, how to pace things out. Because th- there are other things. Uh, there was the other note that I, that I wanted to make is that I, I in the first episode... I, I don't remember if I left it in the full episode, but I, I brought up to Wednesday, like, oh, there's this piece of foreshadowing that I only just picked up on on this read-through because I'm, mm-hmm. like, reading it really carefully, which is the part about Josh in, I think, I think in part two, like in, like, a, like in chapter two, in Balloons, like, right at the beginning, he, he says something about, like, he, he wanted to try to get someone else's okay to tell this story, but he couldn't get in contact with him. Yeah. Um, or, or, or something like that. Like, I wasn't able to get in contact. And, like... Yeah. It, it, it's just, like, this really quick throwaway line, but, like, when you get to the end of the story, if you remember that line, it's, like, the way that this was well thought out and being set up from the beginning. Yeah. There's, like, other parts that are, like, later in the section that we've read that are like this, too. Okay, we get the part where the mom is tell- telling him about, like, Mrs. Maggie being sick and, like, all that stuff with her. 
Mm-hmm. When we see that she's like navigating this really difficult conversation, like with ease and stuff. And then we get this like immediate payout within that entry that feels really kind of like not quite as bad as like stories like like do that like I just told you this information, <laughs> this paragraph, and now you're going to like act upon it in the next paragraph. But like underneath it is like this content dense section of like stuff that pays out later in the story in ways that feel really like subtle. Like you like you'd miss it if you weren't like tone catching or like like there's something about the way this section gets delivered it's like hey don't go into her house there's like parts where they feel like there's like a double speak happening that only Mm -hmm. comes together like at the end i i think that's also a piece of like characterization of the mother she's like increasingly anxious about what the narrator is is doing because this 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 woman because she is being neglected she can't really take care of herself her house is in disrepair and mm-hmm. and uh, the the narrator's mother like distrusts her mm-hmm. like not not because she's malicious yeah she doesn't want like accidental things to happen yeah like this this woman is not in control of her of her faculties it 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 reminds me a little bit of like when i lived with with my grandmother um in mm-hmm. early high school I love telling this story for for a mm-hmm. different reason. Like the 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 actual reason why it happened is quite sad. But um, she she made chicken one time, like for 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 dinner. Like she she was she was sort of sort of at the stage of her dementia where it was hard for her to prepare like a full meal from yeah. scratch. And, and she was also quite old. You know, she was she was in yeah. her in her seventies and very arthritic. But um, she she put um chicken nuggets and chicken tenders on the same plate in the oven and put them in the oh, oven no. for the for the for the chicken nugget time mm-hmm. and and the tenders were not cooked going in like they 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 were raw where the chicken nuggets are pre-cooked you just have to warm them up so so the so the tenders came out raw and i ate half of one before i even noticed oh, no. um like someone someone else cut into it took a took a bite out of it and was like oh this is raw and oh, I, no. I fully didn't notice. <laughs> Not so like, related, but that happened to me in high school once. <laughs> like, like you did that, or like you, you ate raw I, chicken? Or? Yeah, it was like it was a lunch meal, and it was like oh no, the chicken was just raw. Typical American high school lunch, <laughs> on par with. Um, lady in her twilight ages (laughs) but related to that um like i remember that they made the map because it's like a story essentially like it's carried on later but i totally forgot about mrs maggie entirely like in the first part we're talking and like i knew the stalker was fucked up but i had forgotten he butchered this sick old lady so i think my tone would have been a little harsher if i had remembered that that happened (laughs) Well, no, that, you know, perfect book club moment. <laughs> Not knowing what happens in the in the next part. No, yeah, I, I, I was thinking about it. I, I mean, sort of about it, like in, in how, how the, how the stalker, like his intentions are almost never presented as 
sexual in like a lurid way like any any kind of sexuality about his desires or his intentions is very vaguely gestured at because of the type of pop culture killer that he is because like at the end he like lights him on fire and i was like oh like freddy cougar (laughs) i i had i watched the first half of nightmare on elm street and it was so bad that i had to turn it off so i don't know what they do to freddy cougar well the 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 lore is that they light him on fire after finding out he's a like a, a pedophile yeah so like the fact that this guy, which I really dislike that this guy in the end is, like, freaking huge, but I also <laughs> like to think that maybe, like, he's, like, threading the narration and exaggerating where his mom is distorting the memory, or, like, this whole thing is a Freddy Krueger yeah. fan fiction. Yeah, I mean, because because this guy has, like, his, his, his only point of reference for this man is, like, his memories of him in very early childhood like having mm-hmm. having you know vaguely interacted with him or like or like seen a glimpse of him like mm-hmm. you know the 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 idea of like a figure running through the woods when you're I, I, I don't know like six seven like he would have been in in maps you know on the yeah. raft like the guy must have been enormous in his memory mm-hmm or like even even as like a like a mid teenager, there's the idea that he would be like that large still. Yeah, like the guy, like because because he he does not he does not say it outright, but he clearly does know that that was the guy who sat next to him. Yeah, but he never says it. And he doesn't comment on his hugeness then. He he he, he dances around stuff a lot. Yeah, which is really interesting. Like, he, 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 he comments much more heavily on, like, the fact that this guy breathes in a fucked up way. And and real quick, to circle back around to the uh-huh. thing that I was talking yes, about. Yes, 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 sorry. He, he constantly hammers home the guy's, like, proclivities towards violence. Mm-hmm. And, and, and never, like, even, even though the only reference to him possibly having, like... Uh, sexual desires like especially like abnormal sexual desires mm-hmm. is when when he sort of offhandedly mentions like like his 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 revulsion and and anger at at thinking about like what the stalker may have done with Josh for the yeah. two years that he had in captive but like even that is so like vague That's just, like cultural like context yeah yeah like it, it's 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 not even like it, it could you could also interpret it as him fearing like the pure like degradation and potential violence that he could have yeah. put Josh through for those two years. Like, like it, 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 it is it is very much like tiptoeing around the subject, but like constantly throughout the story, we see the primary threat of this this guy is violence. Like he kills. Yeah boxes and all the other animals under the house he kills mrs maggie he kills veronica and then he kills himself and josh and 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 he specifically gets josh's dad to do it like they yeah. like he he is intentional and he is put together but he's also presented as like really childish because he mm-hmm. is one because he is like totally desexed in the story in a way you wouldn't expect for this kind of killer mm-hmm. but also like the drawing of the family is the big thing the stick figure thing yeah 
two things real quick. Um, like, when you brought up the fact that he doesn't mention his, like, largeness as being, like, a super large scary man or whatever, That, but, like, he mentions his weird breathing, and in Maps, there's a line I really like, is, like, mm-hmm. the whispered and it was forced as if, like, powered by a last breath and a pair of deflated lungs, but didn't yeah. sound sickly. Even forgetting, even not remembering Maps as clearly as I did, that line really stuck with me. And, like, I think, like, I resonate or whatever with, like, other stuff that has, like, lung air being forced through, like, lungs because the person doesn't use it often or is sickly mm-hmm. or is dying or something like that. But the fact that that's, like, a consistent, like, thing between the two. Like, in the earlier ones, we're like, oh, this could be, like, a glitch to the Matrix story. This could be a this and that, but he doesn't go there. The stick figure is also sort of, like, reminiscent of, like, Slender Manny stuff because he, like, emphasizes, like, the lack of face and the size <laughs> oh, difference. Yeah, the yeah, man, like, that... This, this does take place after Slenderman popped off. Like, yeah. I kind of didn't even register that, because, like, there's such separate entities in my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. And he also puts, like, the number on the pages. Did pages come out after this or before this? Oh. This, this came out in, like, 2011-2012, yeah. I think. When like, like some, some parts of it. Like, it like it started in 2011, I think. It, it it eight pages came out in twenty twelve hundred percent. Oh okay. I'm, I'm I'm so positive because okay. I've I've gone I've watched so many videos about it and like <laughs> ranted so much about it. But also because that was like that was right around the like let's player uh, mm, screaming right, sort true. of turning point. He puts like fifteen sixteen whatever the number is on it, and that's something that never gets explained at all. Is it like an expiration date for the boy? Because that's when he like buries him in. <laughs> himself and Josh like I don't know and like we get we get he's 15 and like the guy says soon right like does this guy have cancer is this like this is how long he has left to live and he's gonna snatch a boy and go die in a a (laughs) hole I I kind of never even considered that but like I I I can't imagine that being like 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 a deep lore thing that maybe like uh thousand vultures or whatever the author's name actually mm-hmm. is uh, saying like oh yeah that was my that was my intent i can imagine that because like it sounds like it fits i i i've just always sort of interpreted like the the wheezy fucked up voice as being like oh this is like a spooky trait that you gave your evil man <laughs> <laughs> but, but like that's so grounded like i wanted there to be like it's true yeah like, go underneath, like, what's presented as, like, a scary story is, like, a, a real thing that happens. So what would be, like, mm-hmm. the most grounded thing? This is just in my general nits area, but not the same topic. Throughout the story, the relationships the main character gets into are, like, really age-gappy. In Max, <laughs> he mentions, like, he proposes to Samantha. She's driving, she's working, so she's at least 15, 16 in this part where he meets her when he's, like, in kindergarten. That's that's the thing that kids do sometimes where they get like obsessed with like their their parents coworker or something that's and true. they're like I'm in love with this person. I'm going to marry them cuz like cuz he was also like 7. Like the 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 intent was that he he would propose as a 7-year-old to this uh, to this okay. woman who was older than him. Yeah. <laughs> For whatever the reason my I was like, "Oh, present tense." Yeah. I didn't catch you're right. But later, okay, Veronica's also, like, four years older than him, at least. Yeah, like, like and three, he's like, I think. Yeah, she's, like, what, in fourth grade, and he's in first at that point. Yeah. And he's 15, so she's, like, 18, 19. Mm. So it's sort of, like, 
those two things are happening in the story. Like, he the the sexuality he expresses is always towards people who are like older than him, but like they're girls. <laughs> and they're like he mentions being like into them and points the story where it's like the most nightmarish shit you can imagine is about to happen. And it re- that's just like it really stood out in this. I didn't it's not like a, a, a connected thought to anything. Like I don't have like a, a, a big thesis at the end of that. I was just like, hey. Like that's that's also I think we were talking about the way pen pal is really connected to like Americana pulp culture kind of stuff. Like thinking about that as I as I read through the rest of of uh, pen pal like the like the last half. I, I was thinking Pen Pal is just, like, making use of these, like, classic, like, Americana cliches. And mm-hmm. and, and I feel like especially, like, at least the Samantha thing yeah. is part of that. But also, like, falling in love with your best friend's older sister is, like, another part of that. Yeah, that's another cliche, yeah. It's just, like, the way it's presented up against, like, the horrors. <laughs> like, it's a cool juxtaposition juxtaposition subversion use of it in a way that's like lots of the horror is brought together because it's like two things are opposing but it's never sort of like i freaked your mind with it (laughs) there's a lot of stuff in the story that feels intentional like Mm -hmm. it is it is intended to be there like it is something that is crafted Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily at least it's not obviously making a statement, I, I think is the thing. Yeah, that's true. Like, how much statement are we bringing into it? Like, I feel like there is something going on, but he might just want to be, do- or whoever, they might just want to be doing, like, a Nightmare on Elm Street thing, <laughs> too. Because, like, there's, like, sleepwalking and stuff, and, like, we know what's happening with that in the real, right? Mm-hmm. But there's still, like, these points where it's, like... What if this just was, like, one step removed fan fiction and we're bringing a lot of, like, <laughs> because slasher stuff has, like, innately that stuff because people are saying things with it, which isn't to, like, undermine the story or anything. It's just, like... I I, I feel like, if anything, like, maybe it is inspired by yeah. those in the way that it is inspired by and, like, taking taking pieces from Americana cliches. This era of, like, creepypasta stuff... Like, the end, it's sort of, like, especially, it's, it's still a thing now, but especially here, it seems like this, the, the, the genesis, the start of it, of where, like, the <laughs> protagonist would be, like, standing up to the evils, and, like, they'd be, like, a happy ending, and everyone would clap and stuff. Instead, he's like, the earth is cruel, and it's made crueler, and there is no happy ending, and... <laughs> this is, like, my final goodbye to a friend who'll never get justice, and it's so... It feels like a rebuttal to those sort of stories that were like prolific on the forum at this time. It, it it's it's interesting, like since we've been bringing up showers as well in in this context, like show, showers also has that kind of ending where it's mm-hmm. like, well, this fucked up thing happened to me, and there's no justice in the world. Uh- <laughs> but like, not like I don't know. I, I mean, like just... this executes it much better. Is, is yeah, the, is it's just, the thing it's much about better. It. And he doesn't return. Uh, the author doesn't return to it and is like, let me now make my 
Manic Pixie Dream Girl, I'm So High sequel. Instead, I know they were, I know they wrote a book and they like elaborated on some of the parts and we have I haven't yeah. read it. I've I've never read the book. Like I'm 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 scared to read the book because like what if what if he doesn't understand what made the first part of yeah, how good and like what I'm, if the book is bad? That's the thing that scares me. Jo- Jonah. Because that, ho- that that's okay. what happens to every single fucking yeah. Anytime like a like a bit like because like I. I was very harsh on showers, you know, when, in, in, in the podcast, but like, that was, a, that was a story that was really beloved to me at that yeah. age when I read it. Yeah. But like. Yeah, so you're like, it's from inside the house. Showers too is so fucking bad. It's really bad. Like, bad by even like, I really like the showers as, as much as it has like a lots of like problems <laughs> within it, but like showers too is like, this is like the exact thing I dislike in any media. But Jonah, yeah. hey, you know how you know that thing of like, let's go take ibuprofen together. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing yeah. that, but we should read, read the pen pal book together, like sometime maybe in the future. <laughs> I I will probably like when this episode comes out, I'll probably still be fucking reading American Psycho because it takes yeah. me so long to you'll be, to focus on anything. You'll be free of it eventually. <laughs> American Detox. But like, like the the thing that I want to read if I can get a hold of it after American Psycho is Pale Fire. Like, oh. I uh, I've been like seeing references to Pale Fire everywhere recently, and like, I mean, I think how far how far are you in, how far are you in uh, American Psycho? I'm like halfway through. You can do it. What if you take yeah. a break and started Pale Fire? I don't. I can't. I can't do that. Like, I can't. If I if I take a break, I will never read it again. Like okay. ever. You, you can do this, Jen. <laughs> I believe in you. I just need to focus and and fucking <laughs> read it. Hellfire is the end of this tunnel. <laughs> kind of brushed on it earlier, like you, like we had talked about, like suburban isolation, and you have like gone back and like you were reading it with like that kind of same mind. I really enjoy like sometimes the flowery verboseness of like the way he writes would have me like be like, okay, pack it in. But I really <laughs> enjoyed the city planning part. Yes, like, I I made a note of that. I was like, <laughs> oh my god, this is one of my favorite like techniques of like yeah. when you want to introduce something and you and you like start doing sort of like a borderline like anthropological explanation yeah. of oh, a thing really and then good. you zoom like you you zoom out really far and then you zoom in really close to yeah. like why the thing you're talking about is relevant like oh my god th- yeah. there's something about it that i just really love it's like really that good. style and like how we get like how the suburbs are formed like intentionally isolating and, like, how we have this unnatural flow that's, like, driven by, like, illusory property values and stuff. Mm-hmm. And how that plays, like, the backdrop of the tragedy that's about to happen. Because, like, even though these people are maybe, like, you can see their house in your yard, you're not going to, like, walk over there and talk to them, you know? Yeah. They're, like, on another block. And that's, like, a lot of the problem is these don't, is that no one talks to each other throughout the story because they're in a suburb. Yeah, and and everyone is sort of like, like the the mother is trying to sort of protect her reputation, yeah, because she is embarrassed about this this thing that it should not be embarrassing. It should be terrifying. Yeah, but she she never tells Josh's parents about it, so like they're not prepared. They're not able to protect their protect their kid. Josh is like a scapegoat. For, like, his perfect suburban childhood. Because they go on to, like, not tell him either. And, like, to the point where she doesn't tell him that Veronica has died. Like, how would he have known that, lady? I mean, because she just assumes that he would know. 
But, like, she doesn't talk to him about it, ever. Yeah. Until the point where he brings it up after she's dead and she realizes, oh my god, this is what's been going on and it's still fucking happening. Because, like, yeah, it's it's about, like, isolation and, like, refusal to communicate. Yeah, yeah. On, on that really specific note, like, there's a part in that thing where the Samantha, the co-worker, comes over and she mentions, like, she couldn't get in touch because, like, they had delinquent phone. Yeah, the, the, phone. the delinquent phone bills. And maybe think that, did she, like, disconnect the phone because the stalker was calling the house? Or maybe she didn't want to risk it happening? But, like, it ends up having, like, this isolating effect anyway and it makes more danger than, like, protection because they don't have a phone line. I, I, I thought that was more about, like, them actually just, like, having serious money problems. I mean, that could be, too. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, immediate <laughs> threat reason. It could just be, literally, they have delinquent phone bills. And, like, they, they, they are having money problems, which is then causing them to be endangered because there is no social safety net. Oh, that's really good, too. Like, yeah. and, 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 and there is no, like, community safety net like the only the only adult who is like aware that these like six-year-old children are out on the fucking river at night yeah the whole thing is so scary in the middle of the the winter is mrs maggie who's who's dementia yeah yeah and and she is being neglected and nobody is is keeping up with her or like helping her it's like so the entire section is just like so back to back dire. I'm like screens is really really scary. <laughs> like I forgot a lot about Mrs. Maggie, but I remember screens a lot. Something about it is just like like obviously, but like like sticky. <laughs> it has just like a a nasty feeling in my memory. Screens, which really like, obviously is nasty, but like my like memories of early stuff was like oh. Well, I know this is going because I've read it before, but, like, Screens feels, like, infected in my memory. I I think it's also, like, the transition from things that were taking place primarily when he was 10 and under to skipping pretty far ahead in time to when he was 15, and, like, suddenly there's sort of, like, a a romantic subplot going on. Like, th- this is the only area in the story that we have any mention of sexuality, and it's the sexuality of the narrator and his friends and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's into, like, cult horror movies. He goes to see fucking Scanners <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at the cheap theater. It's, like, closer. Less far away because it's no longer about them being, like, children and, like, a thing that happened so far away. It's now, like, closer to the reader's present time. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's, it's, they, like, they now have cell phones, they are, are able to, like, kind of drive themselves, or, or, you know, the narrator has friends that drive in places. Mm-hmm. Like, it is closer to the headspace of, I mean, he's 15, so he was, yeah. like, not in an adult headspace, but it's closer to an adult headspace than a five-year-old. And it's interesting, because, like, well, a lot of us does feel, like, arrested with the trauma in these things, because these things are horrific. A lot of it does feel like it's purging out of him so he can get to be in the present. Yeah, and, and, and this is something he mentions that he withheld telling this story. Mm-hmm. Because this is something that is much closer to his memory. This is something that he knows 
and remembers very well. Yeah, it happened, like, yesterday. Yeah, we get much more of a feeling of denial about it. Like, th- th- I think he says mm-hmm. that it happened 10 years ago, so he'd be 25-ish yeah. around around the time that he is writing this narrative. Yeah. And, like, he writes a lot of things that are descriptive, and sometimes you can be like, is he, like, exaggerating this? Is he, like, filling this out in the narrative? But the way he describes the car accident is, like, super, like, a thing that's fresh, hot in my mind because it was so horrific. And, yeah. like, I, I noted, like, the part where she tries to, like, straighten herself out felt really, like, like, the author at least thought about, like, how it would be to be a victim in this accident. She wasn't just, like, yeah. a lump side character in the story. She, or, like, someone we should be, like, oh, that's a grotesque thing, but it's, like, someone we, like feel for while being like this super point of like gore in the story yeah because that's that's really the only like explicit gore that we see like we know that these animals and boxes and mrs maggie have been killed but that's very much kept away from the narrator where this is like happening in front of him and it is the most grotesque thing in the story in terms of like visuals and, like, the interaction he has to do with, like, talking to her and, like... And grabbing her phone. Yeah. Like, he he's, like, seeing the outcome. It's a little, like, he starts these segments and he talks about, like, before school starts. Like, he has, like, a social, like, life-ruining thingy happen to him. But it's also <laughs> sort of, like, like we're saying, like, the Americana iconography of, like breaking your arm, having a stomach flu, having pink eye, you're six. It's like, <laughs> it feels like really like pointed. I'm not sure where to go with that. It just feels like at the start, like something bad would happen to him, like a premonition or like, like one of those, like, like a paranormal red hearing kind of thing that we're supposed to assume has happened. But like, I think it's more like a setup to, because these are like, you know, classic misfortunes that that set up the story of like a child character in like a stereotypical like american story about childhood because like he 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 has all of these starters and all of these points of both like media reference points and like things that appear so much in media because they are like common things that happen because like everyone's Mm -hmm. had the stomach flu a lot of people have broken their arms like goofing around doing stuff versus like things that are cliche Mm -hmm. because they are iconic like the 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 raft you know keeps playing on a raft is like is is iconic because you know mark twain huck finn yeah like and 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 that's becomes i didn't really think about the raft thing but you're right it's not like it's like almost absurd that they they have this raft, <laughs> and like making a map at all is such like a like an iconic like every child yeah. like like I had them like children have a map phase to like learn about <laughs> topography in like second grade and they're like oh fuck I need to make maps now human behavior <laughs> because pen pal the story itself then becomes iconic yeah and it's, it's so neat. Like, it doesn't wear it on. It's, the, it's, like, really nicely woven together. Oh, the, the, the other thing that I was going to say about the stickiness of screens is that, like, it is it is transitioning from this, like, classic Americana vibe 
to the sort of like American graffiti vibe of like yeah. the iconic teenagerhood of of an American uh, young person adolescent. Yeah, which does have like a stickier vibe. Like he's he's going to like a cheap theater with his friends and and you know seeing cult movies and it's it's very like the stickiness is intended and it lands yeah a lot it's just like and like having having this you know the guy who we understand is is the stalker sitting next to him and breathing heavily and like texting and like calling and having him breathe heavily into the receiver yeah it's so intense. It's also like this, we see this mass of violence and we've been shielded from the violence most part too. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's such like ghastly in your face. Like especially in, in combination with like, he goes and he sees these like grotesque horror movies oh and my then God, something yeah. grotesque happens to him. Oh right. I guess too, I wasn't really actively thinking about how graphic Scanners is, but it's pretty, yes, it's it's pretty totally graphic. <laughs> I've I've never seen it because I have trouble with like yeah head blowing up yeah. brain destruction yeah like head head blowing up. Does um, God, millennial didn't even think about scanners being graphic. <laughs> <laughs> but like I I was thinking about it because like I I am aware of the yeah. fact that people's heads blow up in it. The other thing. Ah, uh, that Veronica, after she'd been hit by the car, the thing that that reminded me of was that part in Suspiria. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the Suspiria remake. Which, like, would not come out for another six years, I think, Pe- after after Pen Pal was finished. <laughs> it just, like, it, it reminded me of that so much because, like, that was one of the most, like, vile things that I've ever seen in mm-hmm. a movie. Like... <laughs> I, I know so many people who were like, yeah, I almost shut the movie off when I watched that. <laughs> I, I, I and I was among them because I'm physically nauseous. Like, oh. <laughs> But like, yeah, the, the, the description of like the body being like twisted like around in an unnatural way. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it, it made me think of that, which I guess like speaks yeah. to like the fact that this moment, because it comes up against this very limited violence throughout the rest of the story. It's the like sudden shocking. like shock. Yeah. yeah. And, and and we never have another really violent moment like that again. Like Josh bit through the man's throat and that's sort of like glossed over. Yeah, it's kind of, it's tame comparison. I think I sorry, I sorry that Simpson had no place to go with it. <laughs> you, you 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 do think. Oh, you are. I am. People try to do stuff that's like shocking and horrific but like they don't understand like the weight of what they're doing so they're like welcome to my twizzler mind and it's bad (laughs) but like here we get like in the whole story overall inappropriate to call it the money shot with veronica getting hit by a car (laughs) but like we get that viscera and the gore and it's like horrific and then we get like the very final stuff that's the thing that was leading up to and it's like the depth of depravity, and like we get it as a part of like a memorial of like a of a soul wrangling out thing. So you you don't even get like the looky looism of like of like sometimes like like the voyeurism of like a, a schlock of an exploitation thing. 
I'm not sure what No Sleep's rules were at this time about um, sexuality in mm-hmm. horror or like how heavily they policed that because like there's some bullshit that goes around now that like they just yeah. like don't care about like you can report it and they just don't give a shit like there's there's like I I've seen so many stories recently that are just like um I'm I'm 10 and I'm being sexually abused and that's the the source of the horror it's like okay I hope you die first of all they're more on top of it like what gets like docked off feels like wooden yeah like right right now the only reason that you would get your story policed now is if you are unpopular yeah. or they don't like you. Like, if they have a personal grudge against you or if you are not popular enough to make it, like, not worthwhile to keep your story around. They just tell you up front. I think it would be, <laughs> I, I be more, like, honest and upfront to be like, you're not... <laughs> you're not this is not this this is not you don't you don't have enough you don't have enough karma for for this board or whatever to to post a story that breaks the rules yet sorry come back in like two years i guess they should just say that people used to just be able to say these things (laughs) now we're all acting like it doesn't exist (laughs) and like they find josh and you're like okay well i'll never know happiness again because they could have like found him while he was alive and it's like Another thing is, like, the timeline kind of confused me here, but I guess it gets explained, but it feels kind of, like, there's, like, a, there's, like, a little area of, like, not smoothness that I was a little, like, oh. Which, which part? But I guess it's, like, all within the, he has Josh, right? By this, obviously, mm-hmm. he has Josh, he's had him for, like, two years, but he has, like, the where for, he has, like, the time to go and, like, do a drive-by on Veronica and, like, chill in the movie theater. And then he goes and gets buried. It feels like a lot of things to go do. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't do it immediately. He, he, he's, he's spending, like, because, because the, because the soon texts, where he's like, oh, I'll see you again soon, comes, like, pretty shortly before he kills himself. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, because yeah, Veronica yeah. had been dead for... Veronica had been dead for a month by the time that the phone gets cut off. And then sh- shortly after that, because because Josh's mom had been having this meltdown, mm-hmm. the dad is staying closer to, to the area. And that's when the, the, the stalker and Josh, like, die. Like, it all falls into place. But I found myself being like, wait, I had to go back and check, like, ages and dates and stuff. Because it felt like a lot... And then that's when I made the Samantha note. I was like, oh, hey. Because I had read that wrong. The timeline thing that I thought was, like, like, there's kind of too much stuff being compressed into, like, to the point that it gets confusing, is in that, like, between five and six age. And he he clarifies it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he gives us kind of contradictory information at certain points. Which is, like, it. you know. Which is, like, five and six, Yeah. Yeah. Like, it it works okay because he's talking about stuff that happened a really long time ago that he is actively trying to parse out because he doesn't remember it very well, or at yeah. least didn't remember it very well when he started. But also, like, I kind of like that, it, like, thinking about it, I kind of like that it doesn't all line up perfectly. I, I like too. that I there is like... ambiguity to, the, like, the non-linearity. Just be- like, I think just because I appreciate that this person went for a long-term non-linear 
story that is this elaborate in the way that it uses time. Memories work, too. Like, yeah. people aren't going to, like, remember things in order or even correctly or not, like, not, like, it's incorrect, like, putting the things into, like, a judgment space, but, like, where where parts of your memory are, like, connected aren't always, like, age-sensitive or, like, yeah. in the correct order. And, and And some of it also comes from... The fact that he is a little bit unreliable. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a really good point in the story where he's like, he thinks he's Josh is making fun of him, and then it's revealed he has like the same lunchbox, so he's not making fun yeah. of him. But it's this moment of like narration perspective switch. It's like, oh, he's not actually an infallible narrator. If you were picking that up, he has like biases and stuff. We got like a little bit of a of a reveal of that earlier when he's like, yeah, I didn't tell you guys about the Veronica stuff. Oops. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> and then the, the double speak where he's like, I couldn't get in contact with the, these other parties. Like, yeah, because they're dead and stuff. <laughs> well, like, he, he didn't know that at the time because that was that's a conversation true. that he only had later on. But that's, like, the point where he starts, it seems, like, reaching out about it. Mm-hmm. But he is, like, aware of things having happened. Like, definitely by the time of writing screens, he is fully aware that Josh is dead. Yeah, yeah. And and he is just sort of, like, pacing out the story as he is telling it. It's agonizing. Like, Friends has, like, this... <laughs> unreal devastating tone to it yeah because like it it goes all the way back into the past again like after we've gone forward to him being 15 and like this horrible tragedy going all the way back to the very very beginning of the story before the start of the story even Mm -hmm. and then continuing to go forward and then all the way to when he is an adult. Like, there, yes. there's just something about that. Oh. Like, those those leaps in time, I think. It's like the opposite of a healing fantasy in this entire section. <laughs> it's like, it's like the narrative the author weaves in Friends is like self-destructive. Victi- he's like the victim of, like, what was it? Survivor. He's like survivor guilt. The the Friends thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like, I'm sorry we met basically but like because you're dead and i killed you but like it wasn't his fault but it feels so deeply like it was his fault yeah because like it should have like if it was just him josh would be alive and it's like he was the target and stuff and like there was a really interesting thing i don't have this like a fully formed thought but it's a really interesting thing with water throughout the series and that he starts mm-hmm. like the, he goes, he reaches all the way back to, like, when he first meets, meets Josh, and it starts with him talking about, like, being in a shower and getting the cast wet, and, like, and then it leads, like, then he talks about, like, the rivers making up, like, water rains and stuff, and, like, eventually he's, like, where they had drawn the map of the waters where, like, Josh's body was, basically, like, a hole in the ground created by, like, gouges of, um, like, river flowing and ebbing and stuff. And it's like, mm. I don't know where to go with that, but there's something happening here with, like, water as a symbol. Motif is a better word. I, I've been thinking a lot about, like, I guess how much is intended 
in the writing and how much is sort of like a like an accident of the fact that the author is using these specific reference points that he is using. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how much is the story building itself, basically, because he's taking these components? Like, in, in, in uh, especially in terms of the stalker, mm-hmm. and, like, because, like, the stalker being, like, extremely childish is... Like, childish and also obviously obsessed with children mm-hmm. um, is is a thing that's sort of a constant mm-hmm. in there. And it's like, how much of that is because the idea of a childish adult is treated as scary yeah. in, in our media a lot versus, like, being an actual psychological portrait. Yeah. Especially in, like... These families are trying to be, like, pictures of, like, suburban perfection. Like, the idea that yeah. there's an adult who's, like, n- not doing that is, like, scary or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's, that's one of the things about, like, um, Michael Myers as yeah. a character, right? Like, like, we brought up Halloween last episode. Mm-hmm. But, like, because that's kind of what he reminds me of. Cause, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe if I had, had been able to sit through Nightmare, I would be reminded of, of Freddy Krueger. But I like, didn't I, I didn't think about it until like we got to the end where the Josh's dad is like he's going <laughs> to light him on fire. He suddenly has gasoline. I'm like, oh hey, it's a Freddy Krueger thing. And then it's like, oh he's like a, a big scary dream themed guy for some reason in the story. <laughs> I mean he's 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 dream themed only in that like the sleepwalking thing. He Yeah. Be, because of the, the sleepwalking thing because he is like like he's 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 presented as sort of like a classic cowardly kind of he's 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 the baby man and like the, the, that's one of the things about Michael Myers that's presented as like that's the thing that makes him so scary is that he's like mentally locked at age like five or whatever whenever he fucking killed his sister <laughs> now he's gonna kill you <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and, and and like that's why he can't be reasoned with because he's basically like an overgrown child like pre adolescent child. Yeah, I think that's a thing that people, like, lean into. There's, like, like, do we talk about the boy in the last one, or do we just talk about that in different Discord chat? No, yeah, I, I think that was just us, like, goofing on. <laughs> okay, yeah. There's, like, the boy, and there's a thing. Like, people, like, I I hear there's another another movie that's out. Oh, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a Halloween one, anyway. It's just it's a trope that people do for slashers that makes them, like, really childish or whatever. Like, because part of that is obviously, like, ableism. Because there's this idea that, like, disabled, like, especially intellectually disabled adults have the minds of children, which is, like, a shitty thing. Yeah. Uh, Like, they have have the mind of a disabled adult. Yeah. (laughs) And, And because people find disabled adults frightening like they they view them as threatening especially like the the stereotype of like like a like an intellectually disabled adult who is like extremely large like in mm-hmm. in in like this outsized way which this also reminds me of but like yeah the guys I, yeah. I, I don't know that we get any indication that he is intellectually disabled or like meant no. to be taken as intellectually disabled it's just the baggage that comes with it yeah like, if he comes off 
as unwell as this obsession, but he also doesn't come off as like a real person beyond the fact that he's a real person within the narrative, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's 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 very much just like an entity of a horrible thing happening. Yeah. Like he 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 doesn't really get any characterization. Which is nice. Which which is weird in a story that like characterizes every single person very strongly. Yeah, it's both like I'm glad we don't get characterization because we don't get like a backstory. We don't get like yeah. This is why he's twisted and fucked up. Like I don't care. We don't know anything about this person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's also like, yeah, it's weird that we don't get it because it, like, it ungrounds him while the rest of the cast remain in reality. Yeah. And like, okay, like, talk talk about characterization. After the dad learns everything and like his life is like this, like, God, how do you even stay alive after that? Like, he doesn't follow <laughs> up on that family, but like, the mom is like, a lot of her actions are understandable, but a lot of times she's like, I got my bag. Good luck. And it's really, like, I think you caused some of this. Whether, like, through your inactions or whatever, you're, you're a little responsible, like, a percentile. Yeah, I don't... Man. Like, it's 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 a similar kind of survivor's guilt thing that the narrator is going through. Where, like, he couldn't have known. He didn't know any better. Yeah, like, no one knew any better. This is just, like, a horrible thing... And like it's 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 a horrible thing that the that the stalker intentionally did to him, like out of mm-hmm. cruelty. And, and 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 I think that's the other reason why the stalker feels more like an entity than a character. Because he is so over the top cruel and like Yeah. Like has has such a strong value in um like, this this sort of narrative symmetry. Yeah, and, like, the level of cruelty he does never wavers. It's just, like, constantly hyper-violent, hyper-like, <laughs> the depths of, like, vileness and stuff. So yeah. it feels, like, removed, but because, like, the rest of the story keeps, like, this even layer, it doesn't feel, like, unreal. It's, it's, it's sort of that, um... Oh, I'm 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 trying to think of exactly what it is, but it's 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 a thing from comedy writing that people talk about, where like mm. you can either have like an an insane man in a sane world, or or a sane man in an insane world. For for like I I think that's kind of the same perspective that it takes here. We're like I mean because because you know horror and comedy are so like deeply linked. It 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 feels like the same rule is kind of at play. Like this is a sane world full of sane people except this one character who is so like over the top insane evil <laughs> like, like th- th- this entity that does not belong here there's like a way that your life can become a narrative is another thing i think the story really wants to hammer home like the the stalker is a presence or 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 a force rather than a person because if you're telling a story about your life and 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 something like this happened to you how can that person be human in your eyes and like you said you know it's a very arrested kind of story the narrator is someone who can't escape this story or the mindset of a story of telling a story because 
like narrative life is so much flatter and 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 more simple when your life becomes a story you tell yourself that's like the process we're seeing this character undergo like yeah you can't have the like the terror the horror that this the stalker represents is like specifically in the suburban setting is like suburban fears like all that kind of like stuff tied into it there's a part where he's like the the josh's dad like a suit was like this guy didn't look like he had a hundred dollars but like that's not like the description we ever get of him at any other point like yeah he has a busted up car but like we know he has like a house and stuff like he could be lying about property but like i don't think he is in the context of the story i think he belongs in the setting otherwise he wouldn't be familiar with it like he is but like he exists like all around it and like an omniscient sort of like stalker entity yeah like that the 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 thing about like the guy didn't look like he had a hundred dollars or whatever like i i think that's another point where character perspective yeah is getting in the way of who this guy actually is and and what he is doing yeah because like like this is a story that is being filtered through how many different layers of perception and, and, and narration. Like, exactly, the yeah. dad experienced this more than a month ago. Yeah. And tells it then to the narrator's mother, who then, ten years later, tells, tells it to the narrator, yeah. finally. And, and so, like, she has this warped perception of this guy as being, like, fuck off huge, massive. Yeah. Which is and also like, being, like, like, in contrast to Josh being like a child like 10 years off and 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 then also like getting this story told to her by josh's father who is thinking about this after having discovered that his son was murdered by this man her 10 years later with this like having been festering in her brain for all that time then telling it to the narrator who is then also has these these problems with filtering the truth than telling it to us. It's so good, yeah. Like, like three layers deep, like, of, like... <laughs> and people, in like, it's not, like, a morality judgment or whatever, but people, like, try to, like, tie up things neatly, even in their own mind, before they, like, share it with yeah. others. Or, like, yeah. the time you had to ruminate over that, like, ten years and all that stuff, is, like, time you would make things connect that feel as like the most convenient sort of like thing or like yeah or even like not convenient but like the reality is like harder to deal with and stuff we even get like an interesting of like her being like this isn't the kind of person she thought would be the stalker and like how much of that him like assume that's what his mom thought and how much of like what she shared because he also tends to narrativize like you Mm -hmm. you believe or you want to believe that he is being relatively honest with the words that he chooses but he also like very obviously distorts the truth whether intentionally or not yeah like the level of detail feels like an unrealistic expectation of someone to relay their memories to you yeah yeah like, like the the memories that they are like oh these memories are really fuzzy in my mind 
like because I was like five six years old and then goes on to paint this really clear picture and using all these literary devices like inherently that is calling into question the validity of the memories what the narrator's goals and and motives and like yeah how, how strongly those memories are remembered which like is very obviously what the author is actually going for <laughs> which is why the story is told in this like sort of jumbled non-linear way why it's told in the voice that it's told in like uh pen pal's yeah. good you guys pen pal's really good it's also gonna make your soul fall out of your body <laughs> it's gonna make you so so sad you're never gonna be happy again but like it's really good makes me really sad <laughs> oh my oh. god it also makes me think of, like, f- fucked up things that I know of secondhand from mm-hmm. my own family, because, like... Like, they're, they're, they're like, these are believable fucked up things, is the thing. Yeah. Yeah, like, there, there is so much, like, evil shit that has gone on in my family that, like, I was kept very sheltered from, and I, I only found out, like, details of a lot of this stuff as an adult, even if it was stuff that I was, like, vaguely aware of, like, mm-hmm. when I was, like, seven or so, my cousin was murdered, um, yeah. and, and before that, like, her, her dad, my uncle, has been in jail my entire life because he killed people, and, and, and like, his whole side of the family is, like, a fucking nightmare, and then even yeah. on the other side of my family, like, there's been so much drama and, like, horrible family stuff going on and like both of my parents were like pretty entrenched in the in the stuff going mm-hmm. on like my mom like went back up like we, we we were living in in new jersey at the time when when my cousin mm-hmm. was killed and she went up to michigan for like a month or something to like deal with the with the trial and stuff oh my, oh my because gosh. That, that that cousin who, who yeah. had been killed, she had lived with us for a oh year my... when I was really little, oh my and God. like she she like looked after me for a while while both my parents were working. Oh my God! So like and 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 like getting the the details of yeah, what happened like, as like a yeah, because like this is stuff that I was like that was happening around me that I was like yeah, you've been too young to like get anything, even if someone like dumped it on you like a, a monster. Like, and, and, and obviously, like, I, I went to the funeral and stuff, and I was yeah. aware that, like, weird stuff was going on with that side of the family, but, like, I did not find out most of that stuff until I was, like, in late high school to, like, college. Yeah. Even though, like, we, we were living ten miles from, from some of my other relatives mm-hmm. at that time, like, for, 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 for a lot of that. Like, it's wretched that there, like, there's, like, nothing to say that's, like, equi- like, comforting of it feels like like empty to do any like it's wretched that they're like that but like nice that you didn't have to deal with any of that like directly as possible you know i i guess but like i i also have a similar kind of even though like it it didn't pertain to me personally i i do have a similar kind of feeling that Mm -hmm. like the the narrator talks about and that the author sort of presents in the story of like oh my god why wasn't I told about this sooner? That's like, why? True. Why did I just like talk to these people my whole lives and like had no idea what the fuck was going on with any of them? Like, but like, 
because you have this background, pen pal also like resonates with you, but also like it adds like a layer of believability that people who have like lives separate from violence might not connect with. Like a lot of people connect with pen pal because it's just really well written, but like how many people understand that there's like this level, this, like this violence is real even if it's presented in this, like, hyper-real, abstract sort of way. I I don't want to present myself as, like, oh, I know the real struggle. Like, because I was I was very sheltered from, from a lot of that stuff. This is a relatable experience. And Pen yeah. Pals about a lot of, like, relatable experiences. Even the yeah. story is so, like, well, you, you probably don't relate to the story, beat for beat, <laughs> but you... You you relate to a lot of the people, like, like especially if you were born in you know like the eighties nineties yeah and and then like grew up around that time, it's 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 cultivated to create those connections for mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. It's really good at that and like like that it stirred up like those memories is like stuff about like has you like reflecting and stuff feels like. Like, the story is successful when it's doing that. I think the sort of the core of Pen Pal as a story is that, like, like the reason why the, why the stalker is the kind of character that he is, like, why he is this loose sketch with all of these, like, associations on him is mm-hmm. because it is, like like a commentary on Americana in and and like childhood in mm-hmm. pop culture and like like the like the sort of perversion that mm-hmm. is in inherent in in a lot of that like how how like unsafe people's childhoods actually were when yeah. people like harken back to the good old days before everyone was so sheltered and sensitive like you were one second away from getting lead poisoning or eaten by, like, a a stray dog, or whatever. Pick pick a thing. Yeah. And and, and so much of, like, classic childhood media and, like, reference points are sort of propaganda. Yeah. In in a way. Like, not, probably not intentional. Like, The Goonies is not intentional propaganda for anything. But it is propaganda. Goonies really grosses me out. I want to, this is a confession, Goonies kind of grosses me out. (laughs) It is, like, it's kind of a nasty movie. Like, I, I really liked Goonies as a kid, but, like, like, I can stomach a lot of stuff. So, like, the fact that (laughs) Goonies in particular would, like, it, it makes me like, oh, I'm gonna watch this, and it makes my stomach uncomfortable. I, I I think because there is there is a really vile visual texture to Goonies. Yeah. In 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 a similar way that like Little Monsters also has that. I don't think I've um, ever which seen was that. one of the classics of my childhood. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's it's bad. It's not a good. It's a really bad movie. But I watched it a lot because my friends and I really liked it when we were like wa- nine, ten. We'll have to watch it. I showed you Ferngully. <laughs> I don't want to watch Little Monsters again. It's okay, I'll have a to really watch long it. Time. I have to watch. Yeah, it it's like oh, it's it's grotesque. Like the visuals of it. Like Fred Savage is there. <laughs> And, and and that's also, you know, like, these these are all stories that, like, 
a lot of people my age and and, and your age. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> I say that as if we have a huge age gap. We're, like, five years apart. But, like, they're, like that's, that's a big media gap, at least. Yeah, it's <laughs> media's, media. Like, I think, like, you're in media is, like, a lifetime. <laughs> like, like, especially now. But, like, like back then, kind of, because, like, we, we, we were both, I think, mm-hmm. had, had like, some, some 80s media, yeah. 80s, 90s stuff, like, in our, in our, diets as children yeah. but like how how much of that is about like you know like like the, the, the thing you were saying before about how like the story is set up so that there's like you know something fucked up and then like the the characters boss up and and <laughs> yeah. their asses and... and then they see the dead body it's like the coming of age story only it sucks <laughs> a lot it's really bad <laughs> no, no one has a good time Cause, i mean because because this is about how that is propaganda and that is horseshit because like no you didn't you didn't beat off the stalker and, and i shouldn't have said that you, you don't you don't fight the stalker away you don't you know you know the stalker kills himself successfully the, the son of pete is in our room <laughs> nobody's going to know what that means <laughs> Oh, I'm not explaining it. <laughs> but yeah, you you can't successfully stand up against this thing that is like larger and more powerful and like smarter than you mm-hmm. and able to just like fucking run circles around you being evil. Like even though I've read this before, I've listened to it a bunch and all that stuff. The fact that he's there in the theater still is like, oh my god, he's right there. It's insanity. It's like he's right there, and and the fact that he doesn't ever do anything to harm the narrator. Like he he kills himself with Josh. He kills Veronica. He he destroys so much around the narrator, but he just he, like he doesn't even touch him at any point. Like. Like rather than trying to like snatch the narrator up, he he just like pins a picture of him to Josh's shirt when he kills himself. Any useful thing I had to say was blasted out of my brain by a really bad thing I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good point, Jonah. I agree that entirely. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you can say the bad thing. I I might cut it if you it's might too have horrible. To cut it. You know, like, what's really popular is Yandere. <laughs> and, like, I think you need to be at pen pal level if you're going to be that. Otherwise, you're just writing garbage. <laughs> you're just straight fantasy. If you're Yandere waifus and hitting bitches with cars, like, what are you even doing? I'm tempted to, like, end the episode on that because that's that's the worst thing you could have said. <laughs> so, I'm sorry to, like, undermine our literary podcast with Yandere knowledge. God, yeah, Yandere is so popular right now. And no one writes it, like, anything. It's just, like, they just swap, they just, like, add darling to people's, like, dialogue. And they're like, I'm so possessive of you. But, like, now we're in a healthy romance, don't worry about it. (laughs) Yandere, insert character here, asked you about your pronouns. (laughs) <laughs> it's 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 the same core thing with like 
force fantasies where like the the idea especially for for you know straight men who are rarely like in in the position of being pursued like the the fantasy of like oh what if someone like wanted you obsessively like w- was not willing to take no for an answer because you are so desirable um and and pen pal is also about that in yeah. a certain way but it's also about how that is horrifying it's bad i think it's like to get serious again it's like the points of like him navigating like any sort of romantic feeling isn't like highlighted by this like sharp ridge of the stalker in his life yeah like he is punished for even having interest repeatedly like something terrible happens the moment he expresses it within the story even though that's probably not like what actually happened actually happened you know quotes yeah Jesus, like, it's so fucking, like, there's a baby fucking screaming. I hear it. Out behind me. You can hear it? I can hear the baby. <laughs> God. <laughs> I didn't realize it was loud enough to come through. I just, oh. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's my, my, my fucking, like, the, our yeah. next door neighbor who doesn't wear a shirt and is fucking <laughs> baby that screams constantly uh hydrogen bomb versus coughing baby not to sound like one of those child-free bitches but like my god yeah i don't want to hear your child wailing at least put it deeper in the house the birds are gonna snatch it well it looks like we're going to wrap it up there for tonight let us know your thoughts on Pen Pal. Give us a like and share us with your friends. Plus, come join us on the Vault Imaginary to discuss horror and share your own work. Next episode, we are starting Mother Horse Eyes. From narrative 1 to the author note just before narrative 16. This has been the Creepypasta Book Club. Thank you, and good night. <laughs>